Hello and welcome to Roy.pod. Yeah, I'm still calling it that and I still hate it. It's only been two episodes, this included, and I cannot stand the name that I've given my podcast. I've got to think of something else, but I can't, for the life of me, think of what else to call it. And we're already going off track. This is the UK podcast for the pop culture geek, technology nerd and creative wizard. This is episode 219, recorded on Sunday the 16th of September 2018. The time at the beginning of the show is 6 minutes past 2 and 57 seconds in the afternoon. As we're in the intro section, let's find out what's happening in Roy's Dread Tower of Wizardry. Which doesn't really make sense because my Dread Tower of Wizardry, i.e. my studio, is not a tower, it's not in the air, it's not very wizardly. Yeah. Let's get back to that Roy.pod thing. Roy.pod is too generic. I've found combinations of that word all over the place and it hardly makes my podcast unique. Although I seem to be topping out somewhere near the front of all these searches, I'm not really happy with it. My god, will it never end? Oh, and the other thing I'm changing, I'm going to mark the podcast as explicit from now on. Think of it as YA levels of explicit. Perhaps I should have done this a while ago. It isn't always rude, but there's enough booze references and what the Americans like to call mature subject matter from the very first episode to now that it probably should be marked as that. But don't worry, I'm not going to go mad and swear my mouth off through the whole thing, because that would be very distracting, and frankly it's not really me. Ah, yeah, it's something I said I'd do before, but now I'm doing it. As I was writing the notes a few days ago, there was this bloody mosquito, there you are, bingo, <laughs> trying to murder me, and I wrote, why am I telling you what I wrote three days ago? It says, be gone, foul creature. Oh, and the other day, I found a wasp in the car. Bugger it. Let's go to the stream of Twitter, which of course means, if I'm using it, it means that Twitter isn't just for Nazis, Nazi apologists, bots, porn, fascists, Elon, Trump, Bezos, and the Zuck. I probably left out Google, but maybe I shouldn't have. And the Russians, though we'll get onto them later. Two seconds into the podcast and explicit already. It's all gone to pot. No, not 420 for God's sake. Yeah, not such a neat segue into Elon, but watching Elon booze and puff was like watching a kid with the keys to his dad's liquor cabinet slash dope stash, wasn't it? Also, Joe Rogan came off as a bit of a... Insert rude word here that I'm not going to use even if this show is now marked explicit. Let's just say that his interview technique belongs to the creepy enabler school of journalism. Wait, Joe Rogan is a talk show host, not actually a journalist. And Musk, we did mention Musk earlier, didn't we? Musk should just stop pretending he's Iron Man. He's a marketing and business Genius, no doubt, like Steve Jobs, and that's about it. Remember, he is also not the founder of Tesla. Stop being a dingbat, Elon. You are heading for a breakdown, man. Stop it. Stop it. Just stop it. Also, I'm sick of talking about you on the show, which is a bit hard not to, because this is a tech and culture podcast, but there you are. I don't want to talk about you anymore. There was one last thing that I didn't want to talk about, but I'm talking about anyway. I'm kind of getting fed up of people like Trump and Elon, why are you so like Elon Trump, demanding that journalists research every damn thing about them, as if they're that important. 
We do have other things to do. See, I'm still talking about him. I'll stop. You know, Elon is a geezer who is really getting on my wick. Let's do Twitter. Oh, yeah, Twitter. Okay, so here's what I've been doing. Recorded on the lovely and very sociable social network platform. That is Twitter. Thank you, Jack Dorsey. And let me just say, Mr. Dorsey and Zuck, people who don't believe in free speech, for example, Nazis and fascists, do not deserve a platform that expounds free speech. Wait a minute, where was I? Ah, Twitter, look. Ah, yeah. I'm reading my notes at the moment, and I wrote a note to myself at the end of this section, which totally makes sense because it's six minutes well, almost seven minutes in, and we're still only on the intro. And I said, quote, Look, there's just too much in the damn stream, so I'll use it as material for the next show. Anyway, with that all said, there is a lot of stuff to get through this week, so let's go! Let's do it! And we'll start with some pop culture. American Animals 2018. Why does it feel like I've already talked about this? Anyway, this is about a bunch of bored suburban teenagers, it's always the suburbs, who think that stealing a work of art and intellectual value is a great way to get rich and break the monotony of their boring lives. No, it isn't. It goes horribly wrong, of course it does. One of the characters... A particularly blameless character, played by Anne Dowd, is treated very badly, but, and I tweeted this, after her constant typecasting, it is absolutely impossible to feel sorry for her. What I want to know is if one of the crooks who took part in this real-life heist and subsequently wrote a book about it has, in any way, benefited from this. In theory, he shouldn't with the US's Son of Sam law, but he's on Twitter and seems rather pleased with himself. Apart from that, the film is okay in terms of filming, acting, and holding the viewer's interest, i.e. me, I don't know about you, but watching this catalogue of failure from a bunch of spoiled, useless losers with zero morals is not entertaining. And talking about not entertaining... Rock the Casbah 2018 talent agent Bill Murray brings entertainment to the troops in Afghanistan. It's crap. And I couldn't even finish it. I'm sorry, Bill. It is absolute crap. And it's probably not your fault. But it's terrible. Summer of 84 2018. A bunch of young suburban again although younger suburban, it all happens in the burbs, friends investigate serial killer in the 80s. Clearly influenced by Stranger Things, right down to the BMXs and big torches, that's flashlights for you Americans, flashlights, it's average. It's not terrible, it's average. It's an okay watch. Hereditary, 2018. Something is very wrong with Teen's family, so he goes digging. Oh dear, you shouldn't have done that, Teen. It is well acted and directed, and is properly disturbing, and it is very well researched. No lazy shortcuts here, so much so that I did go googling for the occult content that's in this, because I'm interested in that sort of thing and I find it fascinating. Other than that, it isn't The Exorcist, so stop calling it that. That was a film from a completely different time, about only tangentially similar things. And in tone, in every possible way, this is a completely different movie. But it is okay, and I enjoyed it. That was Hereditary, 2018. Next, Marrowbone, probably mentioned last week briefly. Some kids on the run hole up in a creepy, creepy, creepy old house. 
which is my kind of house, but something's not right with the attic. I should pause here to tell you that this is one of two films, the other being Hereditary, which we just mentioned, I had on my list, and was also recommended when I mentioned the continuing and terrifying noises coming from my attic. So anyway, I enjoyed it, and shock horror, I enjoyed it more than Hereditary, though I think Hereditary is a better movie. Which sounds a bit contradictory, but quality, enjoyment, art, they're not always things that intersect in a Venn diagram. Venn diagram? Down a Dark Hall 2018. Naughty teen girls are sent to special school. No, it's not that type of movie. It's more Miss Harry Potter light. It is terribly conventional, and the script is very by the numbers, but I did like the angle they were going for. That is, the actual supernatural thing at the heart of this. Unfortunately, the big revealed is... revealed far too soon, leaving no surprise or shocks and little drama to entertain you for the rest of the movie. And it's a bit of a waste, unfortunately. Upgrade 2018. A loving but at odds couple. One's a Luddite, the other's a techno geek. And yeah, sure, opposites attract, but they are so very, very, very opposite in this movie. I can't see how the hell that would work. This couple, slightly odd couple, the odd couple, <laughs> experience a tragedy which starts one of them on the path to vengeance. It's a high-tech revenge flick about the Avenger and their enhancements. I would say it's average. Mission Impossible Fallout 2018, the title, punctuation's a bit weird, they've got Mission colon impossible, and then I'm assuming what is an M dash, an EM dash, that we've talked about before, because this is, remember, also a creative podcast and I'm a writer, followed by Fallout. So, mission colon impossible, M dash Fallout 2018. In this, rogue spies, see, you just can't trust the buggers. I mean, the spies are trying to assemble nukes that will kill half the world because they're anarchists. Uh, no. Yeah. What? But the plot really doesn't matter because this is just about Ethan Hunt running, driving, fighting, falling, getting banged up and shooting a lot. If you leave it at that, it's okay. If you look any deeper, just scratch the surface slightly, it all falls apart. Hey, Fallout. Falls apart, Fallout. Ah, fall about laughing. Still, I think the first Mission Impossible film is still the best, but then, of course, it was directed by Brian De Palma. So, of course, it was brilliant, because I love Brian De Palma things. And talking about falling, <laughs> about laughing. Honestly, you need to turn your brain off every time tech is mentioned. Just pretend you didn't hear anything. Though, those rubber masks are so cool. I could really freak people out at the pub with one of those rubber masks. I'm going there soon. Which has absolutely no relevance to the podcast, so I'll get back to it. Mandy, 2018. I've tweeted my thoughts on the film already. I'm carefully skirting around calling this as a review, because if you remember, I don't do reviews. Or do I? Do I do reviews? I'm not actually sure if these are reviews or not. But anyway, Mandy, 2018. Let me paraphrase the tweet so it sounds a bit more like human language. Mandy is a 1980s retro VHS video 
cassette style Conan the Barbarian slash Frank Frazetta slash Ralph Bakshi slash heavy metal as in both the magazine and the musical genre. We'll come on to that in a moment. Yes, it is all of that mashed up into a revenge flick. If I were to do an imaginary VO, I'll try it now in a gruff voice. An evil sorcerer, a vile alchemist, monstrous riders, a cursed blade, a weapon forged in the heart of vengeance. Where was I? And yeah, I ended it with the observation that this is probably the first Doom Drone Stoner musical. Maybe, unless there's another one out there I don't know about. And by Doom, I mean the heavy metal sub-genre. Same for Drone and same for Stoner Rock. But I'll stop talking about music now. For the time being, anyway. And if that tweet didn't explain enough, the art direction, the screen fonts, the very wide angles exposing the wild landscapes just scream out epic fantasy or a 1970s album cover. Nicolas Cage and Andrea Riseborough are metalheads. Riseborough is slightly arty metalhead into fantasy art who are abused by a Mansonish god squad. But as you heard from all the references in the tweet I mentioned at the top of this, that is selling it very short. Although it is, again, a very conventional story, a revenge film, it's also a great and very unusual looking film. And I don't think we have enough of those. Nicolas Cage was spectacularly Nicolas Cage. You should know what that means if you've ever seen a Nicolas Cage film. Well done, Nick. Andrea... Andrea? Or Andrea? I'm not sure. I prefer Andrea. Sounds cooler. Andrea Riseborough tempt down the crazy sexy... Yeah, I'm slightly attracted to a bookish introspection, which I also found quite attractive too. And Linus Roach, who has been in a few things, but you may remember him from the Chronicles of Riddick, amped up the creepy to either a late career beginning event or a career ending event. Not sure which. Ugh. You should go and see it. I enjoyed it, but it isn't the sort of film I'd watch twice. Not that it isn't good, it is. Whereas other films like immense operatic epic fantasy movies like Conan and Excalibur are movies I have watched time and time again. Consensus? Well, there's only one of me, so how can I have a consensus? But, yeah, watch it. The Bastard Executioner 2015. And you see, there's an illustrative point of why I needed to change the tag to explicit. I can actually say the title of this show. The Bastard Executioner 2015. This is a medieval period drama about a rebel posing as a torturer slash executioner. I'm guessing they were the same things in those days. The show was, is, was, was, you'll find out why, made by Sons of Anarchy showrunner Kurt Sutter. And it's nasty in terms of violence and, well, torture. Here's the thing, the justice, and I have put that word in inverted commas, system in the UK, in medieval times, did in fact rely on unbelievably vile punishments for a very, very long time, even after the medieval period. 
I think the show's actually downplaying how bad things were. The problem is, even watered down, this does not make for viewing that is in any way enjoyable. Not for me. Do you remember that show about ISIS? I think it was on Channel 4. Yeah, Channel 4. It was called The State. This show, The Bastard Executioner, is even more stomach-churning. It's that terrible. I mean, terrible in terms of things that you have to watch, not particularly the show. Apart from that, it's an average historical drama, but those scenes that we've talked about meant that the show lost a lot of audience and did not last. I think it only lasted one season and then it was cancelled. Next on the list of shows that I wanted to talk about is Mayans MC 2018. Mayans Motorcycle Club. This is a show by Kurt Sutter, the guy who did SOA, Sons of Anarchy, about another criminal bike gang. So it's a spin-off, yep. And no, I'm not even bothering. The violent soap opera that is Sons of Anarchy is banal enough. I know a lot of people like it, and it's one of those shows that does attract geeks. I'm sorry, but I just don't like it. I find it a bit boring. From one point of view, it is good, though. There's more brown people on TV, which is a good thing. Do you know another thing I've noticed? Kurt Sutter. That's almost Sutter Kane reversed. Do you read Sutter Kane? Google what I just said. The Purge 2018. The Purge franchise pushed one step too far. It has not had good ratings. I don't know why they did this. And why they just didn't stick to the films, which are really great and I really enjoy. Wait a minute. Of course I know why. It's all to do with the money. Idiots. Black Earth Rising. The USA's kick in the teeth to the ICC, the International Criminal Court, which is the court that tries suspected war criminals in The Hague, makes the ICC the hot-button topic du jour in this thriller. Bobblegum star Michaela Cole plays survivor of the Rwandan genocide. She is adopted by a white British lawyer as a child and then grows up in the UK and works at her mum's firm. But the conflict arises when that lawyer, her mum, takes on the prosecution of a general who helped stop the genocide but later became a mercenary. I'd say it's interesting and topical, but sometimes the acting seems a bit off, particularly in the very first scene of the first episode, where it seems like the star, Michaela, much better known for comedy, is really struggling not to play the role for laughs. Obviously, that would be highly inappropriate and a terrible thing to do, and it would mess up the tone. Later, her acting does get darker, but that early scene almost made me switch off. John Goodman is in it, which is good, because he's great, but he seems to play serious by squinting. What's up with that, John? It's like Ed Balls forcing himself to cry by keeping his eyes open and staring. I saw that on a show lately. Come on, guys. We know all the tricks. Try harder. And if you want to know how to force yourself to cry, all you do is you just keep your eyes open. Force them to stay open and tears will well up. It's a well-known acting and media training trick. There you are. Next time you're interviewed by me, put on the crocodile tears. Chance 2018. What if House, as in Dr. House, MD, remember him? Remember that show? Took a more, shall we say, hands-on approach to his doctoring. 
You, Laurie's hair is diabolical in this mashup of The Punisher, Death Wish, The Equalizer, and House MD. I kid you not, it is a mashup of all those things, and probably more. The first season is okay, if you can get past the glorification of violence, mostly using blades. And then, I have to remind myself that this is from a country of mass shootings, so I suppose a little stabby-stabby isn't so controversial. Ah, where was I? Let's take a break from the stabby-stabby bit to talk about his hair. Hugh Laurie has gone bald in exactly the way I am going bald. He's got hair everywhere, even at the front, except he's got this ski slope that starts off somewhere around the middle and goes part way down the back. And his hair is truly, truly horrible for this role. I know in real life you, Laurie, has short hair, and if you're a balding guy out there, even if you don't want to watch the show and you're wondering what to do with your hair, watch this just for that and you'll head straight for the barbers and cut it all off, like I have done lately, although I'm not sure if it's better or worse, or I don't know, it's just a sore subject. How did we end up talking about baldness? Okay, back to the bit post-stabby stabby. Oh yeah, there's also this uncomfortable recapitulation, yeah, I actually said that and spelt it correctly, of that Peter Coyote knife-fighting film, The Knife from 1991. So much for your doctor's Hippocratic Oath. Pah, who needs it? The first season is more of a noirish femme fatale thing, Though the plot is really obvious and the suspense not so suspenseful. While the second season is a straight out vigilante show. It's like if it wasn't Buffy the Vampire Hunter, but Buffy the Vigilante. But instead of the Scooby team from Buffy, we've got a team of Hugh Laurie and another old bloke, and a fat psychopath. So, not quite Buffy. And that was Chance 2018. If you do get into it, just watch the first season. That's pretty okay. You, 2018. That is you, as in you, as in me and you. Y-O-U. You, 2018. This is a really interesting thriller about a stalker from the stalker's point of view. You'd have thought it not easy for the viewer to engage because a maniac who spies on women is not the most palatable of characters. And yeah, I know about the film called Peeping Tom, which incidentally is a good film. Go and watch that as well. It's an older film. Here's the thing that they do right. They managed to pull it off by making the character likeable in every way except that one huge, terrible character flaw. And it works. I've talked about this before. If you are going to have a protagonist who is evil, you still have to make him likeable or her. Otherwise, that character is just going to turn the viewer off and they will not stick around to watch the rest of your film or show or book or comic. Another advantage is that if you do it this way, you have the automatic tension built in because you have set up a moral conflict within the viewer. Why do I like this guy so much? He's terrible. And if you're getting the impression that I really like this show, you're right. I am really enjoying it. And that is you, 2018. You might have to put the whole text string into Google to find it, because that is the most generic of titles. And let's leave pop culture now and move on to science and technology. And Putin. 
Oh dear, Putin. Vladimir Putin, what are you doing? First there was that poisoning of Alexander Litvinenko, a former FSB officer. The FSB is the modern incarnation of the old KGB, who was poisoned with polonium-210. Then there's the influence of Russian hackers in the Brexit thing and the Trump thing, of course, but we're talking about the UK, so let's talk about Brexit. Then there was, more recently, the Novichok poisoning. And what are we going to do about it? Well, not a thing. We even know how the Novichok poisoners look, because there's a bloody picture of them. And they are now even doing interviews. But no, nothing will be done. Oh sure, a couple of toothless sanctions and a strongly worded letter is what we'll do, and that's it. Taking on Russia is... well... <laughs> and no one really wants to say this in the UK. We're just like one single gnat, G-N-A-T, which is a really small fly that we have here, attacking a giant bear. Internet. Yeah, still no gigabit internet at Roy's Dread Tower thingy of wizardry, whatchamacallit. I was on the trial group until they realised some nitwit had forgotten to cable my house. <sighs> I think it's down to too many companies and subcontractors being involved, but that's really it. I haven't heard anything back, though they are rolling out the main non-trial installations now, and are even posting offers for everyone to sign up. Talk about adding insult to injury. I don't know when or if I'm ever actually getting fibre. Thanks a lot, City Fibre, Vodafone and Kelly Services. Absolutely useless, the lot of them. And with no roof aerial or working satellite dish, thanks to the idiots who came to fix my dish, and I would name them here, but I can't find the receipt thingy somewhere, but anyway, thanks to that... High bandwidth TV over internet is the only way I can watch proper TV on a normal TV set at 1080p, so no TV either except on the laptop or my smartphone at standard definition. So I've got a fairly budget smartphone and an obsolete laptop. British Telecom don't make me laugh. They still won't even acknowledge my noisy line even when I call them over a noisy line. Amazing. Needless to say, I'm listening to a lot of podcasts and radio at the moment. How absolutely ludicrous is this situation? I'm supposed to be a pop culture and tech journalist, and this is the state I'm in. Well, it does leave a lot more time to do some more fiction writing, I suppose. <sighs> okay, next, the NES Classic. I have finally, finally done it. I took the NES Classic completely out of the box, plugged it into the now obsolete TV. Yeah, that's another thing I can do with my useless TV. I can actually play some NES Classic. And instead of waffling on about it for too long, what I'll do is I'll let you listen to a bit of edited audio from when I plugged in the NES earlier this week. Okay, are you ready? Yep, okay, here goes. Back in a minute or two. Okay, the recorder's on. I'm just back from the pub, and I've got the box that contains my NES Classic Mini that I got from Nintendo a few months ago. And finally, I'm going to put everything together and have a little game. So, let's see. Oh. USB, power. Oh, there we go. Okay. Let's take this into the TV room. My satellite dish stopped working about a week ago when we had that rain. 
so there's nothing else I can really do with my television at the moment, which is fairly new. But use it as a monitor for the games console, which is a pretty good thing to do with your TV. I'm quite looking forward to doing this because growing up I had a Binatone TV system, a Commodore 64, and a Sega Mega Drive. But I never had a NES. HDMI. There's so many cables behind this television. It's ironic because I don't do anything with it. Just need to get the controllers. Okay. Aha! Come to a setup screen where I need to pick a language. The game's already here. Let's see. Something Mario-ish. Ooh, Gallagher. <laughs> oh, right, so... No sound. I haven't actually plugged in the speakers. That's stupid of me. One second. Haha, <laughs> there we are. Now let's see. <laughs> yeah, you can hear that, I'm sure. It's fairly loud. Let's try that again. God, I'm incredibly terrible at this. Oh, this is it, this is ah, it's much better than these modern games. Oh, damn it! No! No, 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 no! Ah. Oh, dead already. High score 30,000, my score 3,470. Give me a break! <laughs> Game over. <laughs> Let's try something else. Oh, I'm playing Double Dragon now. Let's go, Double Dragons. Mission 1 into the something or other. Uppercut! Uppercut! Uh, kick! 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 Ah, oh, no! probably where I need to sign off. So, see you in the podcast. And I'll continue playing. Next, we're the science and technology. Very ancient doodles. Very ancient doodles. 73,000 years old ancient, in fact, doodles. I'm going to keep on saying doodles because it's such a wonderful word, have been found in South Africa. Oh, and they were made by people like us, I'm assuming. The oldest art archaeology has discovered so far is only, only, 30,000 years old, so this pushes that date back quite a bit. The doodles looked like a grid kind of pattern, 
which, if you remember the 80s, you know what that means. They were ravers! Yeah, throwing shapes in the caves, which is a major supposition. Or maybe there is something older than 73,000 years old that we haven't found so far, but maybe they were made by the Silurians. And I'm not just talking about Doctor Who now. I'm only mostly kidding, because there is a science angle that I probably haven't mentioned before. I'm not sure if I've mentioned before, but Google Silurians. Hey, think about that. Silurian ravers. Bipedal reptiloids throwing shapes. No, stop it, Roy. The Apple event happened? And what happened? There are new phones, they are more expensive, they are an update of last year's hardware. Also, there were updated Apple Watches that Apple are trying to reposition as health devices, really expensive health devices. (laughs) And I was supposed to watch the event, but I literally fell asleep and missed it. If you want more, the tech press are all over this, mostly because there isn't that much to talk about. I mean, there is no updated Mac Mini or other bits of hardware yet, so we'll just have to wait for those. But anyway, we're always talking about Apple. Apple are okay. Apple are rich. Let's move on to paywalls. Yeah, we're all sick of paywalls. Again, Maybe there's a slight creative angle here, media angle, because I do these podcasts. I am technically still a tech and pop culture journalist, and I do have to do my research, and I'm hitting a lot of paywalls. Here's my solution. Don't think it's a particularly novel solution, but it does seem to work, and that is to use the Tor browser. Yes, use the so-called browser of the dark web. It's not really dark. We've talked about how annoying it is to call it the dark web before, but I'll let that go for now. Yes, use the Tor browser. It's really easy to find. Just type in T-O-R space browser, and you'll find an easily installable bundle for your platform. Why would you use the Tor browser? Because it disables a lot of stuff. It also kills scripts and pages and buggers up tracking. Also, if you turn off images with the About hack, you'll have to Google that too, don't have time to go into it now, you can kill images. Tor is not just for the grossly misnamed Darknet, then. And again, I mention it again because it keeps bugging me. Seriously, you idiots, stop calling it that. If you reach your limit of free articles you can access, which is also another problem with paywalls used through a normal browser, you can click on the onion icon in Tor. I think it's on the top left of the toolbar, somewhere around that region, and get a new identity. I'm sure that there are lots of other uses for Tor, but getting unlimited access through paywalls is one of the really good ones and is not the main use that Tor was designed for. But this is a tech podcast, and we do like things of hack. Of course, I'm not guaranteeing that using Tor won't put you on a watch list. (sighs) But that's an entirely different matter. There are other things you can do with Tor as well that are not quite the things it was designed for, but I haven't done that much of a deep dive into the subject for quite a while. And that is the podcast for today. Let's go into the outro section. No musical stinger. I really should get to work on those. Let's talk about the return, or non-return, or maybe return of my writing circle. As I went on my daily perambulation the other day, I met a fellow author. We chatted briefly about copyright, editorial matters, plotitis, one of my pet peeves, and not overly focusing on the minutiae. 
Or rather, I waffled on about it. I think he honestly got a bit bored. It did get me thinking that maybe it's time for me to start an informal writing group again for writers who don't just need grammar lessons, but probably do need to talk more about stuff that's hindering them, and perhaps share a few tips, and maybe just depressurize. I toyed with my own group back in 2013, but without using meetup.com, which was a mistake because I had very, very few takers. Subsequently, I joined a group run by, frankly, a couple of dilettantes, which really is the nicest thing I could say about them that fell apart when they flaked out. You flaky flakers. The group reformed into a rather more this-is-how-to-write group, which is absolutely fine, but just not for me. The thing putting me off about this is that it can be a bit of a drain putting on these things and maintaining some sort of order. I mean, we're writers. Trying to organise writers is like trying to herd cats, only harder, even with cattle prods and laser swords and maybe hand grenades. If you decide to do this yourself, start a writing group that is, make an agenda and be gentle, but be firm and tell people that you are in charge, and then watch as everybody leaves. <sighs> Let's finish with something more positive. Positive, Roy. Positive. Think positive, Roy. People don't want to be made miserable. Mostly, I hope. And the submissions go on and on and on which is a good thing. The day-to-day -day submissions of my novel continue. I am quite pleased that I also recently found another agent open to submissions for my list. Which one? Seriously, I can't tell you that because competition. <laughs> but consult the writers and artists yearbook specific to your country and use Google or DuckDuckGo Please. There was one minor annoyance in that little bit of joy of finding another agent to send my manuscript to. I found an imprint of a fairly major publishing house saying that they really want to find more minority writers. And if there ever was a minority, that is me. When I went to their website, it said that they don't take unsolicited submissions, so you need to find an agent. And I did find a minority agent, whoopee, who had some funding from the National Lottery and were hoping to champion minority writers like myself. Unfortunately, they were closed for submissions. It's a bit like a Mobius strip of pointlessness, really, isn't it? But the point is, keep on looking. You've done your novel, hopefully. Do not submit unless you've finished your novel, checked it however many times you have to check it, created a list of agents to send it to, then send it. If you're at that stage, good luck. You're going to need as much luck as possible. If it looks like it's never, ever going to be published through... A literary agent and then a publisher, none of whom should ask you for money up front. Your contribution is the writing. If it looks like it's never going to happen, then the only kind of self-publishing I can recommend is something like ebook publishing, perhaps as a Kindle ebook. <sighs> but stick with it and don't stop writing. With that, we seem to have strayed into creative matters, which I could have put into the show a bit earlier, but it doesn't really matter, does it? And that's really it for this week. Oh. Now I've got to edit this thing, this monster. If you want to get in touch, go to RoyMartha.com, that is R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R.com. You can find me 
on Twitter at Roy Martha at R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R. Please review the show in iTunes. And hello to my new Twitter followers. I hope you are also my podcast followers. Do you know how I hesitated there? That was because I'm not sure what the name of this podcast will be in maybe a week's time. If you like the show, tell someone about the show. If you hated the show, tell an enemy about the show. It's the show they deserve. You were listening to the show, still unfortunately known as Roy.Pod, but not for much longer, the UK podcast for the pop culture geek, technology nerd, and creative wizard. This was episode 219, recorded on Sunday the 16th of September 2018, and the time at the end of the show is 4 minutes past 3 and 41 seconds in the afternoon. And one final note, I apologise if there are some whoosh-whoosh noises in the background, because I'm recording during the day, there is traffic around. I have repositioned the mic so it's a bit closer to me and also facing sideways rather than directly out the window. Well, directly to me and then out the window towards the traffic, so hopefully that will make a difference. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Bye!